We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is my partner in crime. That is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher. At no, we, can't, we, we said we weren't going to talk about those those extracurricular <laughs> activities, all right? So That's outside. Let's, let's keep it to football. Let's keep it to football. All right, yeah. fair enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, we got a fun topic uh, mm-hmm. today. And... You know, we talked a bit yesterday about how, you know, excited we are about Marcus Freeman and the defense and breaking that down. But uh, the reality is our heart lies on the offensive side of the ball. And when you're talking offense, it all starts and finishes with what uh, with the offensive line, especially at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame is in a position they haven't been in in a while uh, where they have to replace four starters along the offensive line now. It, it, the cabinet is not empty. The cupboard is not bare, as they say. But there are a lot of question marks going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is what we are going to start with today. So first, let's talk about the fact that there's four guys that mm-hmm. are probably going to be wearing an NFL helmet here in the next couple of months. As long as everything checks out medically. I mean, Liam Eikenberg's, I think, going to be a first-round pick. Aaron Banks, is is I've seen him projected as high as second round. Uh, on a recent NFL draft, Bible mock draft, Robert Haynes, had a phenomenal week at the senior bowl, which to you and I is not surprising, but to no. a lot of people it is because we watch him week to week and we just see how good he is week to week to week. And then Tommy Kramer is, he's the medical issue. As long as the medicals check out, he'll be in the NFL okay. next year. 
uh, you know, but he's a guy that obviously has had a much more extensive injury history at Notre Dame. And so as long as the medicals check out, he'll be in the NFL. All four high character kids. Uh, I guess they're not kids anymore. You know, all, all four high character young men, all four talented young men. And they made up what I believe was the nation's best offensive line prior to Jarrett Patterson getting hurt. So you have to replace that. And, you know, we talk a lot about how Notre Dame needs to get more young players on the field. This is one of those positions where experience is much more important. It doesn't mean a young player can't play because a Robert Hainsey, yeah. uh, you know, started four games as a freshman and basically rotated every right. series. He was right. essentially a starter as a true freshman, which is hard to do, especially in a place like Notre Dame. that, As you said, Vince, never lacks for depth of talent on the offensive line. So you look at it and you say, because, uh, you know, when he started as a true freshman, Liam Eikenberg was already on the roster. Tommy Kramer was already on the roster, who he rotated with the right tackle. Aaron Banks was in the same class as he was. Josh Lug was. I mean, so he he had to be out, beat out some dudes. But now you replace those four guys, and not only do you lose a lot of experience, but you lose a lot of cohesion. You know, sure. that unit, had, I mean, really, going back to uh, the Navy game of 2018, is when this lineup first kind of got together, you know, when, when you, when Aaron Banks stepped into the left tackle spot and then, you know, Sam Mustafer left. And then the next year, Jarrett Patterson took over. So, I mean, four of these five guys have basically been in the lineup together since going back to 2018. And you went into the season with over hundred career starts. You can't replace right. that. I mean, no. you just no. can't. And, and the expectation for Notre Dame in 2021 is not going to be, that Jeff Quinn needs to put an offensive line on the field that's every bit as good as the one from 2020, that's an unfair expectation. That's not realistic. Yeah, exactly. It's about, okay, how they still have to be good, though. And, and that's the key is how do you still put together a good offensive line? You know, so sure. in 2016, the offensive line wasn't nearly as good as it was in 2015 or 2017 when they had arguably the best line in the country both years. But it was still good, at least good enough to be better than four and eight. Right. The 2018 and the 2019 offensive lines weren't great by any stretch, but they were still at least good. That when we when we were critical of those lines, it was critical of whether or not they were playing to an elite standard. Sure. Not they were still one of the 10 to 12 best lines in the country those years, you know. And that's the expectation next year. Is they still need to put a top 10 offensive line on Absolutely. the field. Absolutely. That is the expectation. Expect them to go out and win the Joe Moore Award is not a realistic expectation. But that, the following um, year is a is another conversation. Sure. But yeah, this year, really, that's not realistic. The next two years after that, you know, that's, so yeah, sure. So that's kind of the that's where we're at. Is that's got to be the standard of of excellence. Of yes, you're not expecting them to go out and, and and win. You know, twelve games because the offensive line just carries you. They're going to need right. to do some things schematically, offensively, to protect the line a little bit. But it still should be a good line. And that's going to be the key. And then how do you how do you figure that out? And that's kind of where that's, where we're stepping into the show today is how do you put it together? Because it's not just as simple as saying you put your best five players in the field. Well, if your best five players all are centers, you're not going to put your best five <laughs> players in the field, right? So um, there 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 becomes some nuance. And, and you know, a guy may be one of your five best as a tackle, but he's now your seventh best lineman as a center or a guard. Josh Lug, for example, was not one of their five best players last year as a center. Just right. wasn't, wasn't. Um, put him at guard or tackle and it's a different conversation. So sure. that's so. the thing is finding the right fit for guys and then finding the right group of five. Right. To say, OK, this is the group we're working with. And it do, it's not nearly as simple as as I think we as analysts and fans make it out to be sometimes where it's just, well, just plug this guy in this. Yeah, guy, right. That guy. Right. It's not always that simple. No, it's not. And um, so 
let's talk about what's left, right? So you were kind of going down that road uh, with what you were talking about. And what we're what our focus is going to be today is is when you're trying to plug in guys and, and where they're going to go, you start with the guys with the most experience, right? Mm-hmm. So Jarrett Patterson is a returning starter. He's going to start now. Where are you going to start him? He started mm-hmm. in center the last uh, year or last two years, excuse me. Uh, he came in as a as a tackle, uh, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, and yep. he was adapted to play center because of how good he was playing. It was about getting your best five on the field. That's correct. He could handle center, so right. they moved him to center. Now, and you've also got Josh Lug coming back, right. who was never a full time starter, but he was kind of your sixth man off the bench. Mm-hmm. And obviously he played snaps at tackle. He's played snaps at guard. He played snaps at center. And he um, was a full-time starter at the end of the 2019 season. Because of injuries, yes. When Robert Hainsey went right. down. Right, right. That's what, that's, and that's what I was referring to. He was, kind of, he was the guy that kind of had to step up and did a great job when, mm-hmm. when he was called upon to do so. Um, so you, we know that those two are going to start. Mm-hmm. But where they start is the topic of this conversation mm-hmm. because then that is what – kind of fills out the rest of the lineup. If you're going to, you know, you could start Patterson at center. You could start Patterson and lug both at guard. You could put them both at tackle. I mean, there's a Patterson could play any five positions on the offensive line. And that's rare. That, that is a rare thing to have. Like, right. I think Liam Eikenberg is a first round pick. I think Liam Eikenberg was better than Mike McGlinchey. And I think his 2020 season rivals that of 2015, Ronnie Stanley. I think he was that good this year. He's not a, he's not a center. He couldn't, you, you know, could he play center? Yeah, he could play it. Would he be great at it? No. Jared Patterson's one of those unique players that he could go move to and thrive at all five offensive line positions. That's amazing. That is a rare thing. It speaks to his athleticism and his, and his skill set. But it also is great for an offensive line coach because it gives you a lot more flexibility. Sure. So, but for me, the first thing you have to do as an offensive line coach, the first thing Jeff Quinn has to do this offseason is figure out where do you play Jared Patterson? Right, because where you play Jared Patterson is going to determine everything else, and then where you play Jared Patterson needs to then also be followed by where do you play Josh Slug, and then once you figure those two guys out, then you can start kind of figuring out what you know. You get you got to get your two best players in positions where they can play at a high level, right? And, and that's going to be the key. And I don't think it's just as simple as just you know inserting him into the starting center job. You could do that, and he's obviously played it, but. And there'd be some merit to it. You know, you want to solidify the center position. You have to be good at center, right? We've talked sure. about that. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think it's that simple because, number one, I think one of your next most talented players is more of a true center, and that would be Zeke Correll. So right. that's the kind of thing that has to go in this decision is, like you say, okay, well, our, our five best guys are, let's just say, you know, Zeke Correll, Jarrett Patterson, Josh Lug, John Dirksen, and – Dylan Gibbons, let's just say for argument's sake. Well, that's a lot of interior players, right? Sure. So I don't know if you can get that five together and it, it, with Jarrett Patterson playing center, right? That's the kind of thing you have to look into, and, and that's why figuring out what you're going to do with Jarrett Patterson to me is step number one. And I know what I would do with it, but uh, we, <laughs> we're going to have to find out what the Notre Dame staff is going to do about it. Well, let, let's talk about um, – could we know we, – we are, and I, and I say we as a fan base, as somebody that watches this team from afar, right, from on game day, et cetera. We've seen Jared Patterson. We've seen Josh Lug. What else is there in the cupboard right now who has a legitimate shot of starting 
on this team. Let's start inside and work our way out. So we know Zeke Carell as well, mm-hmm. for the most part, because he did get a start, and then he got injured, and then he started again. So we do know Zeke Carell, uh, and he's a center. Like, I don't think he really plays anywhere else but center. Am I, am I off base he, there? He, he could play guard. He was recruited okay. and played guard in high school, but I think his body type limits yeah. him to being an in- interior player. So, you know, technically, could he play guard? Yeah, I think so. But I think center is really where his game projects best. And okay. that's what they recruited him to play. I got I mean, you. He, yeah. That's the position he was recruited to play, whereas it's not the position that you necessarily recruited Jared Patterson to play. Right. And, and in my humble opinion, Zeke Carell is your starting center. So now you've got to figure out where Jared Patterson is going to go. So let's talk. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what uh, the guard position. So, mm-hmm. you know, we know that Patterson and Lug, they could both start at guard. Right. Uh, but who else is at the guard spot? Well, and, and the reason you would start them at guard with Corell at center is you'd go with the notion of you have to be good up the middle first. Sure. Right. Like if you're, it used to be, Luce Emoji used to talk about this, and I'm sure he did with you, is he would talk about how Joe Moore's philosophy was you got to get good at tackle first. Well, that was back in the 70s and 80s when teams were putting these great pass rushers on the edge and it was deeper dropbacks. And, you know, I mean, just you had to be great at, at tackle. Well, with RPOs, with quick game, with all the things that teams are doing offensively, you know, teams defensive defenses have adjusted by saying, OK, well, if you're going to shorten the amount of time the quarterback has the football, then we need to shorten our path to get to the quarterback. So you're seeing more and more penetrating, disruptive uh, defensive tackles, plus more teams bringing inside pressure, saying that's the quickest path to the quarterback sure, right, right up the middle. Right. And so now there's much a, a much greater need to be also really good up the middle. So you can say we're going to solidify the middle first and then and build out. That would be the the reason to to have an interior trio of Lug, Carell, and Patterson. That would be the justification for it. But then sure. you have to look at what what else is on your roster. Well. There's another player that that got starting experience this year, and that was Dylan Gibbons. Mm-hmm. He started against Syracuse. I thought played well against Syracuse. He st- he also came in off the bench against Florida State when uh, Liam Eikenberg got got hit in the eye and had to come out. They bumped uh, they bumped Aaron Banks out to left tackle and put Dylan Gibbons in at, at left guard. So you had a scenario, and then he got a start at right guard against Syracuse. And I and I thought Dylan Gibbons played well in both instances. You have a guy that's 6'4", 6'5", you know, 305, 310 pounds that has game experience. He's been in the right. system now. This will be his fifth year in the system. So, you know, there's there's merit to, you know, do you want to give him an opportunity to start? Well, if you want to give Dylan Gibbons an opportunity to start, you can't put Josh Lugg and Jarrett Patterson at guard. Sure. Because you don't want veterans competing for the same job when you have other – when those other two veterans that would be in competition have proven they can play other positions, right? So – you have to evaluate what do we do with Dylan Gibbons. If if you feel like Dylan Gibbons is need, needs to start for you this year, and and I think he's going to get every opportunity to start. Now it's up to him to to take advantage of it, but I think he's going to get a chance to start. And you say, okay, well then one of Patterson and 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 or Lug needs to move out to tackle. You also have John Dirksen. John Dirksen to me is a bit of a wild card for Notre Dame this spring because he's actually a really talented player. I've talked to different sources that have said. John Dirksen, when the light is on, is really good. He's athletic. He's tough. He's got he's country strong. Yeah, but like that. But being able to to do it consistently has been a big issue for him. Talking to those same sources, it's you know he'll have a great day, and then the next day he'll just make a bunch of mistakes. And you cannot yeah. have an offensive lineman that makes a lot of mistakes. You have to. I mean, consistency is at times on the especially the offensive line is more important than dominance. Mm-hmm. You have to be consistent. And and because you have to know what you're going to get from your line, the quarterback has to trust the line. So that so for John Dirksen, okay, you're going to be a senior now. 
now's the time to say, hey, look, you've got an opportunity to, to step into the starting lineup. What are you going to do about it? Is he going to go out there and be consistent and turn that talent into, per, you know, that that potential into production? If he does, then all of a sudden you've got, you feel good about both of your guards. And then now sure. you can consider bumping both Lug and uh, Patterson outside. You could also say, hey, look, we feel good about where Dylan Gibbons is. We feel like we can put him at left guard or right guard, whichever side, and say he's going to he's gonna have that job, and then we'll move some young guy behind him, Blake Fisher, right. Rocco Spindler, Michael Carmody, you know, one of those young players that you kind of view as that next-level potential starter down the road with some seasoning. Uh, and then you say, well, we're going to have John Dirksen compete, but we're going to have him compete with Patterson or Luck. And I, you know, I, and say, okay, so – if he if he then proves himself capable of starting, then you can bump that other veteran that you know Lug or Patterson out somewhere else. If John Dirksen does that, I think the fact that consistency has been an issue for him, and Hunter Spears is another guy to keep an eye on. But if sure. because consistency has been an issue for him, I don't know if you can just throw him out there with a bunch of younger players to where, uh, you know. But you could also do it in a situation where you're going to give him his shot early in spring, and then you're going to have Patterson and Lug out at tackle. And they're going to be battling with the next level. And, and then, you know, depending on how that goes, you can move guys inside. So those are the kind of the names of the. In- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Interior players, the guys that are the interior players now. Yeah. But as we'll get into here in a second, that could change depending on how comfortable they are with the, the, those interior players. So obviously John Dirksen, Dylan Gibbons are the veterans, Michael Carmody. Uh, and then you're, you're going to have early enrollees. Rocco Spindler and Blake Fisher are both going to be early enrollees. I would imagine Blake Fisher starts a tackle, but he's a guy that could be so good early on that you have no choice but to move him to guard because that's the way to get him onto the field. So uh, those are the those are the names, and I, and I believe I said Michael Carmody again as well. So those are the yeah. names that I have my eye on as far as their how they play this spring is going to de- is going to help determine where you put other people. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So let me let me diverge off the path here. Just a second. You mentioned the two guys coming in as freshmen. Do you think they're going to be 
you know, in the conversation? Or is it like most, you know, linemen where they need a couple of years in the weight room and to get used to the system, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? I don't anticipate them being in it because I never expect freshman offensive linemen to come into play. Right. But right. what I'm saying, and the reason I think that Rocco Spindler and Blake Fisher both need mentioning is they're both talented enough to where they could overcome the typical freshman year of growth. That's the point. Because there is this level of uncertainty the position, you could say, yeah, the, one of them is going to play. And maybe it's a situation where it, it's like it was with Robert Hainsey. Okay. Part of the reason Robert Hainsey was able to earn a starting job as a freshman is because there was no other veteran players. He, he was competing with Tommy Kramer, who was a redshirt freshman, who didn't yeah. play the year before. So sure. There, there, he was able to kind of close that gap real quickly. So that that could be something where, you know, John Dirksen hasn't played a whole lot a whole lot more college football snaps than Blake Fisher's played. You, you know what I mean? And, and there, you know, so uh, it's just one of those things where they're really talented. They are at least worth mentioning when you consider the, the lack of proven experience at guard. And so do I expect them to? Am I going to be critical of them if they don't play as freshmen? Absolutely not. Uh, but, I mean, look, Zach Martin, Ronnie Stanley, Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Liam Eikenberg played zero snaps. Well, actually, Ronnie Stanley played a couple games before getting injured, but it was like two games again, mop-up duty. Those guys played zero snaps other than Stanley playing a snap here or there as true freshmen. So uh, I don't expect offensive linemen. Okay, and I didn't either. I just was curious as to where – I just think they're good enough to be worth mentioning when you consider the questionable nature of the position as it is now because – They'll, I mean, if if Blake Fisher comes in and plays great and he picks it up quickly, because he's also 330 pounds and he's a strong 330 pounds, you know, Rocco Spindler's 300 pounds and he's a, you know, his dad's a former NFL uh, right. defensive lineman, right? Um, you know, so he's he's going to be advanced a little bit from a technique standpoint. He's also a wrestler, so he's going to have some of the, you know, they both have some traits that you look for to say, yeah, that's kind of what you usually see in a guy that plays earlier than expected. Yeah. And so that's why I thought they were at least worth mentioning. Okay. No, absolutely. I just wanted to clear that up because I'm I'm sure everybody wants to know because they were highly, highly regarded in the recruiting mm-hmm. class. And, you know, uh, so I figured we'd bring them up. Mm-hmm. So let's move outside. Um, you know, if if it's not Lug and Patterson uh, at tackle, which means that they're both uh, at guard, what are we looking at from a from a tackle standpoint? We have three young players, uh, and and we could throw Fisher into this conversation as well because I do believe Blake Fisher will start at tackle. Uh, even start though I think he could be a, start, start as at like that that's position, what, not start correct. in the game. I correct. just want to clear that. We'll start out at tackle, right? Um, you know, but but again, I mean, if Robert Hainsey can start as a freshman, Blake Fisher could too. I don't expect it. I'm just saying, like, I'm not writing off the freshman this year. They're going to get their shot if they if they play well enough. Because that's the other thing is every freshman offensive lineman that has played in Notre Dame, and I think there's been two that have really played legitimate snaps as true freshmen: Steve yeah. Elmer and Robert Hainsey. Well, they were both true. early enrollees. You know, so that helps. Uh, I don't think Notre Dame anticipated playing Robert Hainsey as much as they did when, you know, we would have, if we were doing this podcast before the 2017 season, we would be talking about Hainsey the exact same way we're talking about Spindler and Fisher. I don't think yeah. he's going to play, but I want to see what he does, you know? Sure. Well, sure. He went out and, and proved himself good enough to, to start for Harry Heastan, who has a very high standard for playing young linemen. <laughs> Well, and he had so, that, and he he also had that pedigree of going to IMG Academy, right, and right. he had that so there, background there which similar to what you were talking about. Right. Yeah, there were certain traits you look for for yeah, that guy could, but Elmer didn't have those necessarily. He just That's was true. a pretty good player that that was at a position where there was some depth problems, you know, and, and, and inexperienced players. Uh, so 
the, so when you look at the tackle position, to me, there's really three names that that are are to to consider. And then okay. we, we'll we'll talk about how there could be some flexibility there too. Obviously, Andrew Kristoffic has been a backup tackle uh, the last two years. He's been in the two D the last two years. Very talented player. He's going to be a junior now, so it's kind of like now's the time for him to step up and take that next step. Quinn Carroll's an interesting player. He was their highest-ranked offensive lineman, according to, I believe, Rivals, had him uh, borderline top 50 coming out of high school in the 2019 class, that great 2019 class. Kristovic, Carell, and Carroll are the three players left from that top-ranked class. And Quinn Carroll's a guy that that came in with high expectations. He's got all the tools you want in a tackle. Huge. He's 6'6". He's over 300 pounds. He's strong. He's got great. But he also suffered a devastating knee injury as a true freshman. And it took him a lot longer to come back than expected, which makes me wonder how bad it was. And you got a question. And, and when you watch the film, when he played this year a couple times, he played against South Florida, and he got a lot of snaps against Pitt. I loved him when he was down blocking. I did not like him when he was in pass protection. He just he looked slower and stiff in pass protection. Now, the, that's also less than a year removed from knee surgery. Sure. As we know, guys, the second year away from knee surgery tend to get closer to their normal selves or they'll get back to their normal selves. So now sure. he's here, he's now going into year two away from the knee surgery. So does he get back to looking like the guy that he was before? If he is, then he'll have a chance to compete for a starting job. Because like I said, he was a very talented player when he came in and he did some good things when he got playing time this year. It just, he didn't look great in pass protection. He was just a step slow and, you know, but that could also be lack of experience as well. Right. So, you know, I'm, I got my eye on him. And then, of course, Tosh Baker. Now, I think Tosh Baker's still a year away. And when okay. he got in the game against Syracuse, he still looked like he was at least a year away. But he's very talented. You know, 6'8", former basketball player. You know, he reminds me a lot of Ronnie Stanley in that regards. Really nimble athlete, really long athlete. Uh, might need another year to play. But he's also okay. one of those guys that's talented enough to where, you know, you may have to find a role for him because he's yeah. just that good. So, uh, to me, he's sort of a groom for the future kind of guy. And okay. for me, I have a dream scenario with Tosh Baker. Um, but it also depends on, you know, what are you going to do with Blake Fisher and those other kind of guys? So if they decide they want to go with the two veterans at guard, mm -hmm. Patterson and Lug, then that trio is going to have to make up the starting tackle position. Okay. I don't think that's necessarily where Notre Dame wants to go with three unproven players at tackle. I think you can live with one, especially it being a right tackle, but I don't know if you necessarily want to prove an unplayer, put an unproven player at left tackle. I think the only way that happens is if a guy like Christophic or Tosh Baker or Quinn Carroll just comes out and immediately in spring is just dominant. Sure. Like, hey, you know what? This guy's ready to play left tackle. Then you can move him there. I think there's a better option at left tackle, and that's Jared Patterson. Okay, so – I, I want to ask you two different questions, and they might be the same answer. Um, I want to know what you think Notre Dame is going to do, and I want to know what Brian Driscoll would do. And like I said, they might be the same answer. I don't know if I can give an educated uh, answer to that because we just haven't seen Jeff Quinn really in this situation before. Because right, he inherited – pretty good line well yeah and he inherited kind of guys that were already you know you had you had Hainsey and Kramer had kind of already played in 2017 they it, 
we knew going into 2018 that that Kramer was going to bump in the guard and Hainsey was going to be a tackle. We saw that at times in 2017. Right. Remember against North Carolina that year when um, uh, Alex Bars got hurt. They put Hunter yeah. Biven in, didn't play great. They eventually just moved Kramer inside, and he played guard, and, and they did that again in, in backup duty of another game. I think maybe BC that year right. uh, when they pulled the starters, they just put Kramer at guard and Haynes. That was always going to kind of be the, the, the route. The, the genesis went. of the right side, yeah. Correct. So, you know, you 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 knew that Alex Bars was going to start. You knew Sam Mustafer was going to start. You knew Liam Eikenberg was going to step in at left tackle. You knew that Robert Hainsey and Tommy Kramer were going to get chances to play. So it was kind of like an already ready-made offensive line, you know. And the question was, do you put Kramer at right guard or, or Bars? You, you know, you, you put Bars at left guard or right guard. You know, th- those are the only questions. It wasn't who was the five going to be. It was where are you going to put the five. Sure. So I don't know. We we don't really – we haven't seen him. And then, of course, once that line was established, it was just slide Jarrett Patterson into the starting lineup at center. And, you know, so – but that one Jarrett Patterson thing, though, that did show that that Jeff Quinn and, and the offensive staff will take a guy and say, yeah, we didn't recruit him to play center. He didn't okay, play yeah. center as a freshman. But this guy's really talented, really athletic. We got to find a home for him. Can he play center? Yes, let's give him a shot. And he picked it up easily. Well, and that was, I remember going into that first spring practice uh, at the old Loftus Center, and Jarrett Patterson was running at center. And I think it took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, a lot of the media, they're like, wow, where did Patterson come from? Um, right. I can't remember who was it that everybody just had penciled in at center, but he was having injury issues. Um, I want to say. Uh, anyway, it, it wasn't it wasn't a given that Patterson was going to be the center, right. and I think people were surprised by that. But again, like you said, it shows uh, that Quinn is willing to think outside the box a little bit and get his best guys on the field. Right, and obviously Tristan Hodge had, had was on his way out at Notre Dame, and and that factored into it as well. But you know, so so they've shown a willingness to move guys if if the need is there. Uh, it's just been so infrequent that I don't know that I could be positive or negative either sure. way just because we just haven't seen him go through these yeah no i get you know, it when, when when you're talking about putting the, the hair we saw what harry he stand i mean 2014 he moved guys around constantly until he found the right group you know yeah. uh so we we've seen we we had evidence of what he would or wouldn't do we just don't know with jeff quinn so it's more of just uh i'm not sure because we we need to see it now uh, i do think theoretically most offensive line coaches and i think when you consider jeff quinn's background being at Cincinnati, being at Central Michigan, being at Buffalo, being at Grand Valley, he's not a guy that probably has a long history of let's recruit this guy to play left tackle. This yeah. guy's such a great recruit. We're going to play him here. You know, when you're recruiting at that level, you got to just get the best kid you can and we'll figure out where to play him. So I would imagine he comes from a background of let's figure out what our best five is sure. and, and who plays best where. So that would be my guess based on his the totality of his history. But as far as specifically what he would do at Notre Dame, I, I really can't say. What I would do, however, yes, that's what I want to uh and and if you know I I I think this is logical too. This isn't just me saying what I want to happen and and there's no way the staff is going to do it. I, I could see this happening is I you know you move you move Jarrett Patterson to left tackle. I think it's very important. I don't I don't believe you need to solidify both tackle spots with veterans necessarily. Yeah. I do think the the left tackle in this in the style of play that Notre Dame plays, which is a pro style, you know, drop back kind of in the pocket offense that's only going to get more that way with Jack Cohn because that's the other thing to consider is Jack Cohn's not the athlete that Ian Book was. He's right. not going to be able to avoid pressure the way that Ian Book is. With that being true, 
You need to be solid up the middle, but you have to be really good at left tackle. And I don't know if I'm putting Jack Cohn in the lineup with an unproven left tackle that we've never seen, you know, play. Sure. And, and so uh, to me, Jarrett Patterson at left tackle is big. Plus, it's also good for Jarrett Patterson. I think yep. if Jarrett Patterson can thrive at left tackle, which I think he will, now you've put on his NFL resume. I can be one of the nation's best centers. I can be one of the nation's best tackles. And he could he's obviously play guard. If you can do both of those, right. you can play guard. Well, then NFL teams are going to look at this kid and say, yeah, he's a more athletic version of Robert Hainsey. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so I think it would be great for him. And we've seen teams do it. Alabama did it with Barrett Jones back in the day. Remember, he started at left tackle one year, started at center one year. And and to me, Jarrett Patterson's one of those unicorns that could literally start and thrive at five positions. There aren't a lot of guys like that. So to me, he's athletic. He's long. He has a a Zach Martin type of body, uh, but probably but longer, I think. He's athletic. He's tough. I think he'd thrive at left tackle. And I think he's now old enough and been in the system long enough as a senior that he's physically ready to play that position as well. At center, you can protect a center that maybe isn't physically ready. You can chip him with the guard. You can help the guards combo, do those kind of things. A tackle is going to be in space all by himself a lot more. He needs to be able to win one-on-ones, reach blocks, you know, uh, drive blocks, pass protection. I think Jared Patterson is now at that point in his career where he can handle those. And so I think putting him at left tackle is the key. And then now that means Zeke Carell is your center. Now you right. got to figure out who's your next center. That's going to be a question mark. Who's your backup center? Colin Grunhard's gone. It's true. You know, is it going to be, you know, do you feel comfortable with one of the freshmen, Pat Coogan being that guy maybe? Um, you know, do you want to cross train somebody if you need it? You know, could always move Jarrett Patterson back there if he gets if, if Zeke Carell gets hurt. But I don't know if I want to move my left tackle back there. I don't know if I want to move Josh Lug there. So you got to find out who your center's the future center of the future is. You know, is it Michael Carmody? Is it Rocco Spindler? I mean, those are the things you have to figure out too. It's not just about getting a starting lineup. So I'd put Patterson at left tackle. I think okay. I would give Dylan Gibbons his opportunity to start at guard. Now, whether that's right or left, I don't know. I'd pro- but I'd probably put him at left guard, and then I'd put him put one of the younger players behind him. I'd put Michael Carmody there. I'd put either Rocco Spindler or Blake Fisher there, and and that way. Dylan's my starter, but I'm also grooming because he's a fifth year guy. I'm grooming that next guy okay. at that spot. And if Dylan falters, then that next stud, Carmody, Spindler, whoever's going to step in. So now your center to left tackle, you got figured out. The next question is, what do you do at right tackle or the right side? Now there's two options. To me, one is you move Josh Lug to right tackle and say, you're our right tackle. At that point in time, I'd pick one of the guards and move him to, or one of the tackles, either Carroll or Christophic, and move him to guard. And let that guy battle at guard with John Dirksen. You pick who you think the best of that guy is, and then also could play. I think Christophe and Quinn Carroll could both play guard and could both play guard at a high level. But you got to figure out who is your best guy right now, and you move him to guard and you let him start. Or you could say, Christophic's probably our best guy, but we don't think Carroll can play tackle. Then you you might move Carroll there because Christophic still needed a tackle. So uh, there's some 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 questions there. But to me, I would go Lug and Patterson at left tackle, solidify the edges. Zeke Carell at center to solidify the middle. I go Dylan Gibbons at left guard, and then I would move one of Christophic or Quinn Carroll to right guard. Let them battle with John Dirksen, or maybe both at least early on, then you let Tosh Baker get a lot of tackle snaps, you know, at one of those spots. And then Tosh Baker to me would be my, I'm grooming him at left tackle because if Jarrett Patterson goes pro after this year, I want Tosh Baker to be ready to to handle that left tackle spot. You could also move 
those two young guys inside and put Blake Fisher at right tackle behind Josh Lugg and say, we're grooming him to replace Josh Lugg when Josh Lugg leaves after the 2021 season. So you got to look forward to that as well, because you're going to probably lose Lugg after this year and you're, you might lose Patterson after this year. And you need to be prepared for who that next guy is going to be. And now if you go with that lineup, Vince, you now have four starters in your starting lineup who've started at least one game in their careers. It's not a lot, but at least right. now you feel like you know, you, you've seen Dylan Gibbons in action. He's taken real snaps, like real, right. like uh, high leverage snaps in games that were the, where the game was in doubt. You've seen Zeke Carell do this. I mean, Zeke Carell played in two of Notre Dame's three biggest games this Absolutely, year. Absolutely, yeah. You know? uh, and obviously Patterson and Lug. Lug now has eight or nine starts under his belt. So you at least have a, a somewhat of a starting foundation. That's what I would go with on day one of spring. Okay. And then how things go over the next 15 practices. It's fluid. And the summer could then cause some, you know, some, okay, well, so-and-so didn't handle guard well. Or, man, Quinn Carroll's having a great spring. Uh, we had him as the backup tackle because we didn't think he was ready to compete for a starting job, but we got to get him in you know, a shot. So do you move Lug inside or put Carroll tackle, or do you move Carroll inside, which is what I think they would do. So how guys perform is going to go a long way towards determining that, uh, who they move. But that is the five that I would go with on the first day of spring practice. And then you want to be comfortable enough with it, Vince, that you don't just move it on day two. You want to try to establish some continuity, sure. give that lineup a chance to kind of flourish. And if it doesn't, then you can make some moves. Uh, if Jared Patterson's not comfortable at left tackle after 15 spring, spring practices, it's going to be no problem at all moving him inside to center guard. It's right. no problem at all. So give them chance. Don't like after three practices. Well, he's just not great at left tackle. Well, it's been a while since he's played left tackle. Let, let him, let him work out those kinks. Plus he's coming off an injury. So yeah. Um, and that's the other thing is if he's not back for spring, which I believe he will be, that also really throws a big wrench into all of this whole thing. But I believe he will be. So anyway, that's the five I would go with. That's the five. And then you let that battle happen at right guard. That That's where I could see Notre Dame. Notre Dame doing it. The only other thing that I would consider doing is putting Josh Lugg at right guard solidifying the middle with experience and then letting your three young tackles ballot out a right tackle. Kind of like what they did in 2017. Let yep. Kirk Carroll, Chris Stoffick, and Tosh Baker, maybe Blake Fisher, kind of battle that out in the spring. See if one of those guys seizes that job. And if they don't, you can bump Josh Lug out there. Although I would like to see Josh Lug finally get a chance to play one position yeah. and see what he can do. You know, because right. I think he could be a really good player for Notre Dame next year if they can just let him settle into one spot. But I can also understand the desire to let those young guys ballot out. And if they don't get it done, then you have to you have to move Josh. But I would you know, if you that would be the only other decision that I would consider doing is is getting a younger guy at guard a tackle because then you can protect him with a veteran guard and lug. Plus, you have your tight ends. So now you can protect your your inexperienced right tackle, which they did in 2017. If you have an inexperienced right guard, he's also uh, got an inexperienced center beside him, right? And Zeke Carell. So yeah, that's right. the other thing that has to be factored into how to put this five together. So yeah. I could I could also see scenario, and I actually kind of now that I've talked myself into it, I actually wouldn't mind Josh Luggett right guard and let your young guys ballot out a tackle that's if you think they can be tackled. Right. And and there's a lot of ifs and 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 question marks that we don't we don't have the answer to because we missed all of last year's practices. Mm -hmm. we're probably not going to see spring. Yeah. We're so going off game film with these yeah, other guys. That's what we're going off of. Yeah, there's a lot of unanswered questions. But from I think where I would personally start is I would start with Patterson at left tackle mm -hmm. and lug at right guard. 
It's kind of like in swimming when you split your relays. You know, you, you kind of you got to make sure you've got good guys kind of at each position. Yeah. That's where I would go. But again, it would be fluid, and you see where you're at. But that's what they did in twenty in twenty seventeen though. Because remember, Alex Barr started at tackle in twenty sixteen. And and they were really had a hard time at right guard. They just could not figure out right guard in 2016. That was the trouble spot. Mustaver played well in 2016. You had Nelson McGlinchey. But so they moved bars inside the guard. So from right guard all the way to left tackle, they were set. Right. And then they could figure out the right tackle. So right. that would be very similar. And of course, Jeff Quinn was was at Notre Dame, even though that was Harry Heastan's decision. Jeff sure. Quinn was here. Yeah. So to your point, Vince. That would what that would kind of make a lot of sense too, and and that's why I think I kind of talked myself into that because now you're really solidified at four consecutive spots, right. and then you can figure out that right tackle spot. Plus, yep. you have the tight ends to help. So, sure. I think I think your inkling is kind of now where I've come around to. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I think lug at guard, uh, and then and then let those three young, four young guys. You know, put yeah. Blake Fisher out yeah, there. Absolutely. Let those four young guys ballot out. And the top two guys, you know, go into it as yeah. stars. You could put Tosh Baker there if he's the best guy. We've seen that a lot. Ronnie Stanley started a right tackle in 2013 before moving to left tackle. Mike McGlinchey started a right tackle in 2015 before moving to left tackle in 2016. So Liam Eikenberg played some right tackle early in his career as a rotation guy before moving to left tackle. So putting Tosh Baker there to let him compete for a starting job would make a lot of sense. And then if he doesn't win it, you move him to left tackle and you're sure. and you're all set. Absolutely. So that's what we think is going to happen with the offensive line. Again, another position that's going to be fun to keep an eye on, even though we probably won't be able to. But that <laughs> is another conversation for another time. Um, again, make sure you check out uh, irishbreakdown.com. Stay locked in there. Uh, subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got all kinds of content coming at you. And look for and, the RPO breakdown that I'm going to be putting out uh, here later today. It's going to be sexy. I went there. <laughs> all right. So for Brian Driscoll, I'm Vince D'Addario, and we'll talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. 
Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.